next time on the Strong Moms Fitness Podcast. Now remember, go subscribe so that you are the first to know as soon as new episodes drop. Also, be sure you don't miss out on your chance to win a free program of your choice from Strong Moms Fitness. All you have to do is leave a five-star review. Screenshot it before you submit and send it to Daisy at strongmomsfitness.com. Your review helps other people find our show. And as a thank you, once a month, we choose the review that makes us all warm and tingly inside and award that lucky lady a free program of their choice. So do it now. It could be you. See you next time, you badass mom you. A lot of mums come to my classes with the aim of getting back running or into playing a sport. And so there was two feet hops, 30 seconds, looking at load on the pelvic floor. And the first Tuesday we did it, I said, don't think about peak every time. Just trust your pelvic floor. And about five seconds in, four women stopped. And I was like what's going on this is an issue that needs to be sorted so many people avoid jumping jacks trampolines because they never get the help so there's something in the class that creates uh, a problem like that this sounds horrible but i love it when that happens because now we have a problem we can work with Are you done with being that pregnant or postpartum mom in the gym who is always stuck on the sidelines feeling horrible, saying, how come no one ever told me this? Are you ready to finally say no to a mom life filled with excess weight, injury, overwhelm, and fatigue? Then help is here. Welcome to the Strong Moms Fitness Podcast, where we dive deep into the information you need to be the strongest woman in and out of the gym, even if you are a mom. If you are done going through your pregnancy or postpartum fitness journey clueless and unprepared, if you are ready to commit and say yes to being that badass fit mom who is shredded and stronger than before the baby, well, listen up. Because this is where we talk about all of the things your doctor or trainer never told you about so that you can achieve the body you want and take your athletic strength and performance to the next level. Get ready because here's your host, Daisy Bravo. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Strong Moms Fitness Podcast. I am going to jump right in because as you know, if you're joining me today, we are on part two of my talk with Martina, all about urinary incontinence and getting back to things like running. So you are not going to want to miss this episode. We are wrapping everything up. We're starting right back on that juicy question. If we're going to be able to get back to normal life without having to worry about leakage anymore. Let's jump right in. Will moms ever be able to jump on a trampoline again or do some double unders or box jumps? Or is this just something that we have to accept? Maybe it can improve. But is there ever, in your experience and some of the women you work at, is there hope for us to heal 100% or retrain ourselves 100%? And when you help moms, do you take them through a progression or different steps to get there. I'd love to hear more about that. I think like it's such a frustrating answer, but it's the only answer is it depends. And I think people are sick of hearing that, like, but it genuinely does depend. It depends on how bad your symptoms are. Um, the shape of your pelvic floor, there's a genetic component. It's funny because my mom has urge incontinence as well. Um, 
And like she's had four babies, all by vaginal delivery, like all in the 80s and early 90s as well. So like just pelvic health wasn't really done in Ireland at those stages. And she doesn't know any better now. So her symptoms will, they could get better, but she's never going to seek help. So they won't get better. Um, and she also, it's such an Irish thing, but she drinks buckets of tea. And I'm like, there's caffeine in that that's irritating your bladder. Like no wonder you're peeing on the hour every hour. So I think it's, it's twofold. It, it's how how bad your symptoms are. And that's very negative, but like, it's probably the best way to explain it. And then how willing you are to work to help your pelvic floor and retrain it. Um, Luce Brett, uh, she's a UK author. She has a book called Pissing Myself Laughing, um, Surviving the Last Taboo, which is all about urge incontinence. And she goes through, um, she's had two kids and she goes through her journey first with uh, urinary incontinence and then with fecal incontinence unfortunately in her it's a, it's a bit of a tragedy in the end but she she never gets better like she's a pest refitted and she's ended up with a prolapse she her fecal incontinence does get better and goes away but she always has urge incontinence and I think that's we need to be realistic about these things as well and um, it can definitely be improved and um, I've seen like personally I've seen a massive improvement with one um incontinence issues and I've figured out sort of small triggers if I drink water uh, before lunchtime I'm more likely to leak Um, but if I drink like I can drink a litre and a half of water after lunchtime and not have any issues but if I drink 500 mils before lunchtime I'll have issues and so it's figuring and I also I only drink one uh, cup of coffee a day because the caffeine is it's a it's really irritant to my bladder and so it's like looking at those sort of little strategies. I still leak, but now I'm going two, three hours between toilet visits. It's not perfect, um, but it's a damn sight better than what it was. Um, so I think that's what we need to keep in mind when it comes to your own sort of yeah, issues and, and trying to get um, help for those is that they can be improved, but just be prepared that they mightn't go away. That's helpful. <laughs> yeah, That's it's, good. It's, it's 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 awful and I feel I know for myself like of where I'm at now is actually a really good place to where I was six months ago and um, because now I'm only peeing maybe eight times in a day whereas it was 18 but I know when I get pregnant that's going to be pressure on my bladder my pelvic floor my postpartum journey will probably be a little bit different because of that and then menopause we're going to also be faced with pelvic floor challenges and menopause so it's of there's a couple of key stages in a woman's life uh, where there's going to be challenges on the pelvic floor and the bladder. Um, so we just need to be optimistic about what we can do and not focus on what we can't. Totally. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> it's, I want to, you know, keep with the same topic here, but I want to understand how you use kegels with your women are you i know there's so many conflicting information regarding kegels some educators are completely against it some only use kegels and then they start doing weight throwing weighted kegels on women what are how do you use kegels and what are your thoughts on them and can they potentially be harmful for someone with any sorts of incontinence so 
I, I think, like, you're completely right. I think they can be harmful, and they definitely do have a place, but it's for, in like, it's individual cases. And it, it goes back to that, it depends. And I think the best person to be um, prescribing Kegels is a pelvic health physio, because they can do an internal exam, and they can tell you exactly what's going on in your pelvic floor. If I start prescribing Kegels, I'm only judging you from the outside. And yeah, I can ask questions. Do you have pain with sex? Do you have pain inserting a tampon? Have you a history of chronic constipation? All those sort of questions. And it can give me a good idea of what your pelvic floor looks like, but it's not the definitive answer. So I think um, it really is a job of pelvic health physio. And it's also like, going back to Anthony Lowe again, it's test retest. So if my pelvic health physio gives me Kegels to do and I have a hypertensive pelvic floor and I go back in six weeks time and my pelvic floor is way tighter and I'm not relaxing and I get a good enough contraction, she should know then that the Kegels are not helping me. They're actually hindering my recovery. Um, so it's about having that open mind. Um, and the way I try to coach it with the classes is I do recommend that all the women go to a pelvic health physio. And it's unfortunate that it's not a standard of care. Like it should be when you get in your six-week check from your GP and they're ticking all those boxes, there should also be a referral to a pelvic health physio at that stage. Um, we're probably not at that yet. And there's probably not enough physios actually doing pelvic health. But so I do recommend it, but then, and I'll work with your pelvic health physio. But then for the people who haven't gone, I say, well, I do my kind of ask my questions and my experience leak and blah, blah, and all this sort of stuff. And we always practice the connection breath before classes and at the end of classes. So it's that inhale down, relax the pelvic floor completely. And then on your exhale, you're just looking to engage that pelvic floor. And then I, if I have someone newly postpartum, I'll coach them more to Kegel. But if they're six, eight months, I expect that the pelvic floor is doing its job. Um, so I back off of those coaching cues because that's how you're going to end up with a hypertensive pelvic floor. If your pelvic floor is functioning fine and it's lifting and it's meeting the load and the impact, but I keep saying to you, lift your pelvic floor, squeeze, squeeze, long holes, short holes, all that sort of stuff, you'll just overactivate it. So by letting them feel out what's happening, if they're not leaking, their pelvic floor is probably working. Um, so you have to trust that if they can do hops on the spot for 30 seconds and they've no issues, that the pelvic floor is rebounding as normal and it, it's working quite well. So it, it depends. Again, it depends on, on, on the woman. But it's being cautious that I'm not over-cueing things because they're eventually going to finish up doing the pelvic floor or the postnatal classes. They're going to go back to a boot camp and there's not going to be someone saying to them, oh, lift your pelvic floor now. So they have to, the body has to learn to do it automatically. So like a natural progression, because yeah, of course, yeah. you, and almost the bladder itself, if you're constantly trying not to go to the bathroom, <laughs> trying not to go to the bathroom, not to go to the bathroom, then when you finally get there, <laughs> Yeah. You can't go to the bathroom because you've been telling your your brain and your bladder to, to hold it in. It's I can see the relation there, that whole and I think that's why it's so important after baby to reestablish mind, body, connect the lower half with the upper half and why there's so much, you know, work involved with that. And then yeah, trust that what you've taught it yeah. is is working. So there's I guess there's just so many components there. There's no right or wrong answer for the lot. It's it sounds it's very sounds very individual. 
And do you find with your women that this is becoming something that is more talked about? There's not as much shame behind it. Do you find that women are a little bit more open now to start talking about these issues or is there still some some stigma? Do we still wear black leggings and throw a, a pad in there just in case or are you find women are still worried about this? I, I, I don't think women really are, are embracing the whole chat about it and be more open. Um, I think they've gone very comfortable talking about um, diastasis and showing you your tummy and being like, I have a four centimeter gap, I have a two centimeter gap. Um, but they're not talking about leaking um, or any sort of incontinence. And I suppose like you can have a diastasis, it can be functional, you know what I mean? Whereas if you have leaking, it is... It's so, it's such a strain on your mental health because for a long time, I really did affect, it really did affect my identity as an athlete and as a runner. And so I think there needs to be a bit of a shift. If we could talk a little bit more about incontinence and tone down the talk in diastasis, because there last week I had a a follower in New Zealand and and she messaged me and she said, "I'm, I'm 26 weeks pregnant. Like, her exact words was what's the story with diastasis she was like can I check for it now is it normal I was like it's don't like yeah okay it's fully normal and like at 26 weeks just trying to avoid exercises that cause a bit of doming doming or coning but it really is something that like you look at more when you're postpartum because you can't really do anything for a diastasis when your belly is still expanding but she never mentioned anything about leaking. And I was like, is it? And then, of course, we were chatting away and I kind of asked a couple more questions and I said about her pelvic floor. And she said, I do feel pressure on my pelvic floor. And I was like, that would have been the first thing I would have asked about, not the diastasis. And it, so it just shows me that we're still not thinking along the lines of what's important. And maybe that's because when we think about urinary incontinence or fecal incontinence, it's a sort of um, a connotation of sort of like being dirty, wetting yourself or number twos, it's not clean. Whereas diastasis is more aesthetic and maybe we need to look at that. There's a, there was a statistic for the, from the UK, 60% of over 75s, I think it was, end up in nursing homes because of incontinence. So if you want to live an old, productive, independent life, you should be looking after your incontinence. Like no one at 85 or 75 is wonder, worried about the diastasis. You know what I mean? And maybe it's just because of my sort of uh, own experience with incontinence that I've gone so like, no, fix your problems. But it does seem to me like it's like, what's that saying? Mowing the lawn when the house is on fire? Um <laughs> Like worrying about your diastasis, like when you might have some pelvic floor issues. And I'm not saying that um, having a diastasis, definitely you you have pelvic floor issues, but it's maybe looking at the whole body and the whole approach and is the system working rather than focusing on one thing. Interesting. Yeah. And and of course, we we live in more of an aesthetic, superficial society. So yeah, yeah it's easy to look down at your, your stomach and say, this is my first priority over the things that people can't see or notice yeah. or that I can hide. And everyone's so obsessed and 
getting their body back that that's a bigger worry and I, I can yeah. I can see how that can get out of con, out of control or priorities or but I, I do like that that statistics of more older women end up in a home because of a bladder issues and and it goes back to health when people are obsessed with weight loss weight loss at the sacrifice of their internal health and they're not thinking about kind of long-term ramifications and exactly. same with this it's i think we just have to re reframe this and and maybe we can make it the new cool thing like diastasis <laughs> everyone yeah. can have a shirt instead of your shirt saying got diastasis got leakage or something like that <laughs> so we might have to start a new movement or something for lack of a better word <laughs> yeah <laughs> now i i want to talk a little bit more i'm going to wrap up shortly but I really like that you're a runner and I'm sure you certainly help a lot of women get back to running. What is that? What does getting back to running look like for someone that's had a baby? Obviously, it's not something that um, you jump back into, especially if you were maybe a longer distance runner. It's obviously not something that you jump right into, even if you feel feel fine. How do you help your women return to running after baby? really lucky uh, here in Ireland and the UK because in 2009, 2019, um, three physios uh, produced these return to run guidelines and they're like, honest to God, they're like a Bible, like they're brilliant. It's so well laid out. Um, so it's Emma Brockwell, uh, Grania Donnelly and Tom Goom. Um, like it's just, it's, it's, so they recommend between three to six months you're looking at returning to running any earlier than that and you're probably not ready your body is physically not able um and i think we need to be aware that um running is a single leg explosive dynamic exercise like it takes a fair bit of strength to be able to run and run well um so I suppose how I would start off coaching someone is looking at those sorts of, do you have any pelvic floor issues? Um, so that's even pressure and um, pain and um, leakage um, or incontinence of any sort. And then there's a load and impact test. So can you jog on the spot? Can you hop on one leg? Um, can you do forward bounds? I think there's seven of them. Um then there's strength uh, tests, so like uh, single leg glute bridges, uh, single leg calf raises, stuff like that, that just assess like how strong and able the body and the pelvic floor are to return to running. And then something like your couch to 5K and just being really aware of any symptoms or problems that arise. Uh, if you're running for a minute and, and walking for three, like how does the pelvic floor feel after the minute? Uh, does it is there any leaking is there any pressure and even before that sort of three month getting back into it it's building that strong aerobic base so that when you're going out and you're starting to run your lungs and heart have already got that sort of head start almost so it doesn't feel as hard as just starting without having done anything and you can start off introducing a little bit of load by starting off with heel slams so coming up onto your tippy toes slamming your heels down little hops then maybe little hops with feet together bigger hops with feet apart and increasing your duration that you're working so going from 30 seconds 45 a minute and then on the other end of the scale is decreasing that rest so if you're working for 30 seconds and resting for a minute 
um, maybe you can go for 45 seconds rest, 30 seconds rest. Um, so that you're teaching that pelvic floor to, to take the load and then working with um, a PT who's going to give you a well-rounded strength program so your glutes are strong. Because um, like glutes are technic- or typically uh, weaker after pregnancy because of the shift forward in um, central gravity and stuff like that. So making sure your glutes are strong so it'll support your pelvis. And when your pelvis is supported, your pelvic floor can work And then your quad strength, your calf strength, all of those things play a, a role. And making sure you have that core strength so that you can transfer the energy across from, from lower body to upper body. So the likes of like your bird dog, your dead bug, your you know incline and flat mountain climbers because your upper body is staying still but your legs are moving um, and even when you think about a dead bug it's opposite arm and opposite leg it's unilateral or whatever way you want to to whatever the, is the phrase they're really good for training that core for running form that's really awesome i know a lot of our ladies are runners or their goal is to get back into more high intensity stuff but yeah it is super important to start very basic start really establishing of course if you don't have that pressure management under control even before you start doing some signal leg stuff it's just a recipe for disaster so it's a gradual definitely a gradual progression in which i think frustrates a lot of people especially yeah. I, I find a lot of runners get very discouraged very overwhelmed because a lot of times they associate their running with freedom or something bigger than just running itself it's it helps them emotionally it helps them in so many different levels so i think when someone tells them to slow down or yeah. <laughs> stop or go slow that just makes them more frustrated and, and angry and discouraged and maybe it affects other parts of their lives i think sometimes also teaching them the why behind it might be just as important because once they learn that, yeah, this might affect your running long term, yes. then maybe they'll finally be like, oh, okay, I guess I have to listen to, to her. It's, it's a negative way to describe it, but it's the only way I can think to describe it. When we think about pregnancy, like it's nine months. So, and even if you think about that three months, even if you do run up until you're five months pregnant or whatever, and then you've three months before you start back, that's in around seven months. So if you were, if you had a seven month injury for running, like an ACL or um, a hamstring tear or even a quad tear or something like that, you wouldn't just go back out and try to run your mileage from when you got injured. You would start and your physio would be involved and he would be like, okay, Today, like it could be loading and impacting, it would be slowly and progressive, it would be from two leg to one, and then you would start running on the road, be straight lines, be nice and slow, be jogging, and you would build up um, the, the sort of strength in the muscle or the injured part and the tolerance. And it would take you a couple of weeks or months, depending on the injury, to get back into the shape that you were in when you got injured. So why, as female runners, after having children, do we expect to go back to where we were before we got pregnant when there's been so many physical and mental changes? Um, it's just, and I think that's the thing, it's that athlete brain again and, and, and looking at, like you said, the why, and you want to be running when you're 60, then you need to go slower now. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, a lot of people don't associate having a baby with some sort of injury. And I think it's good to, and it's important to make those parallels that, yeah, there's been a lot of changes. It has, it's technically an injury to the body. And unfortunately, yeah, we've got to fight those athlete brain or society norms to get back. Now, Martina, I really want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to to join me on the Strong Moms Fitness Podcast. I'd love for you to take a moment, feel free to figure out, let us know how we can find you online, chat about your business, your open forum to uh, talk about yourself. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, so thanks, uh, Daisy, for having me on for a start and letting me talk about my own personal sort of challenges with incontinence. It's something that I'm getting more comfortable talking about. And I think the more I talk about it, hopefully I'll inspire some people to go and seek help and get a, a pelvic health physio involved in their um, their recovery. Um, I'm based in Ireland because of COVID, so we're all gone online and everything is very much worldwide at the minute. Um, but you, I'm most uh, active on Instagram and just to throw a spanner in the mix, my company name is Irish as well. So th- this will be loads of fun. But uh it's Fitmana, which Mana means women in Ireland, uh, in Irish. So there's, I suppose, the inspiration behind it, part of the inspiration. Mary Robinson was the first female president of Ireland. And in her inauguration speech, she credited Manana Heron, who didn't rock the cradle, but rock the world. Um, so it's, I still get goosebumps when I think of that quote and um, it's exactly what I want to empower women to do is to rock the world and to go on and be strong and, and fit and capable. Um, so you can find me just at Instagram uh, on Instagram at fitmana, uh, fit.mna um, and then my website is the same. So it's www.fitmana.com. And yeah, if you enjoyed the podcast or even just want to reach out and ask a question about um, what uh, things I've been doing for my incontinence or where you might get help uh, definitely reach out and I'll, I'll answer any questions that I think I'm an expert but I've a fair bit of personal experience in it and helping women to, to overcome the challenges of incontinence as well Awesome, thank you, I appreciate that I'm going to link your Instagram and website in the show notes so that if anyone missed the spelling they can uh, easily find that on our show notes and on our website and it'll all be linked to you so we can jump on your website and uh, start following you on Instagram so thank you again for joining me it's been such a pleasure you have such an interesting perspective And I really appreciate you taking the time. So thank you so much for joining me today and all the best with with your business and your clients. I know it's going to definitely take off for you. It looks like you are going to rock the world. So thanks again for joining me. Thanks, Daisy. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Martina, for joining us. I hope you guys learned so much today and... If you have any more questions, definitely address those to Martina. You can also reach out to me. And if you are a mom who is struggling with leakage or maybe diastasis, prolapse, or if you're someone who wants to get back to the gym safely after baby without injury, I want you to check out my newest program, 
Rebuild After Baby. You can find it on my website at rebuildafterbaby.com. And this will help you getting back to the gym safely and work on things like leakage, diastasis, prolapse, so that you can get back to the gym and do the things that you love. Thanks so much for joining me and have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. And we look 